This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads, visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk. Thank you very much. Um, I want to do three things. One is look at EAR learners when they leave school and go particularly into um, further education and employment, which is an area of interest that I do a lot of work in. I also want to look at some research findings and question whether we make enough use of research on language learning in the broader context when it comes to what we do in the classroom. And the third is to look at the implications for learning. I haven't got a handout, but if you want to get a copy of the presentation, you can just um, email me and I'll send one. And while I was preparing for this study, I was thinking back to a piece of research that I did in Birmingham where I looked at 14 to 21-year-old Birmingham students all second and third generation uh, migrants and some refugees. And you can see the kind of activities that I carried out with them. And I thought you might be interested to see in what the findings were to set the context. Because what happened was that these were you know, kids born in the UK. Sometimes their parents or even their grandparents um, came from abroad. <laughs> Despite best intentions and effort, what we ob- I, I observed was that there were second language speakers, particularly in the FE colleges, where a less than sure command of English really does hold them back. And I'll show you some examples of what happens. I was really interested to see that some of the learners realised this, um, but their tutors were really concerned. And these were tutors, FE tutors, who weren't anything to do with EAL in a way. Um, They were motor vehicle um, tutors engineering, electronics, uh, those kind of areas in particular I looked at. And here are some of the quotes of what they gave me. I have doctored some of them because they needed to go in the slide. But this idea that they couldn't read the manual, they just couldn't get the meaning of what they had to do when following instructions. They couldn't listen and take notes at the same time, which is a skill that you're applying now that is so crucial, not just for learning on the spot, but also to go back and revise. And a lot of the tutors were saying, these kids can't revise. They lose that that next step, which we know is so important to consolidate on learning. And the last quote really kind of affected me when this tutor was saying, they start with a disadvantage, they do learn, but they never make up the distance. And I know that's not quite what what you're saying, Alison, but... uh, Um, Sandra rather but it is something that we're seeing on the ground and perhaps there's more research to be done in those particular areas the knock-on effect was that because there were concerns about whether the the students were um, capable for example in terms of understanding health and safety and whether they uh, could actually go on a placement and people working in FE will know that you don't want to upset the employer um, to give in a, a, a placement so perhaps there is some some sort of security there that um, is applied too much but these kids were not going on placement they were staying in college and as a result they couldn't put that on their CV and they didn't have an opportunity to even get jobs from placement direct and this reminded me of something that Lee I I suppose was talking about um, just now that I, I am sort of struggling with this idea that perhaps we are still teaching students to communicate orally, particularly in speaking and listening, um, but that the, the, the cognitive academic um, proficiency is something that we need to do more on, and that if unless we do that, we're going to have that problem perpetuating, sometimes through people's lives, 
and these kids are not stupid. You know, I, um, I think Lee was saying that um, students were doing just as well in maths as they were doing in, in um, as their non-native speakers, or maybe it was you, Sandra. This is definitely the case. They were actually quite capable, but it was their language that was holding them back. So I think we need to assume that students need to have the same goals for first and second language speakers. There's no uh, doubt about it, and there's my definition there. But I worry that we've rather assumed that their learning paths and needs are not identical. We see that in the classroom in the way that um, teachers deal with um, EAL and ESOL needs um, but we also have research evidence, and the link there is to the paper that I've just written where I look at the differences between first and second language acquisition. I must say, while I was writing that, I've always thought there were differences, but because I had the time to really um, read up, particularly on reading, which is the area that I want to take you through, I was really quite shocked at how different the learning is. And I'm a, not a native speaker myself. I learned English as a second language and I suppose, you know, we all have our preconceptions, but this really pulled me up short. And I'm sort of thinking, are we giving students the right support? And one of the areas that I want to take is this reading. And when you look at all the standards, and this is not the current administration, this is previous ones as well, we've been really focused on teaching students using the sub-skills approach. And here you see the kind of areas um, that the students are, are taught on. And, you know, you might think these are skills which skilled readers deploy, so they do need to learn them, our learners, whether they're first or second language speakers. Really good tricks to have in your bag. But is that actually a good basis to teach reading? And then, for me, the question has always been, can the learners actually perform those tasks? They can scan, they can look for a telephone number, for example, but they can't skim and reading for just... Is, is really very difficult. And I was very pleased to see um, Koda's um, quote that says, unskilled learners are unable to adjust processing mode. They read word for word. And I, when I look at my own students, I look at students when I observe classes, when I work with colleges, for example, that's what you see, that kind of, you know, the finger or the mouth, the mouth patterns. Students really are having trouble to process Here's some other evidence. Uh, Catherine Walter did a very interesting study with um, teenage French speakers who were learning English. When they had a lower intermediate level, they were so busy decoding the words and the sentences, they couldn't get at the meaning, even though they could do it in their own language. And they are actually quite, if you want to have a look at the, uh, the paper, they're pretty scathing, saying, you know, why go there? We're wasting our time teaching um, these skills and actually that the command of the new language is the key to reading it and here's some more stuff if you look at the middle one uh, Verhoeven and Geva have been doing studies for over a long time um, looking at how learners learn and what skills they need it's actually understanding their ability to handle the second language that helps students read it's not teaching those sub-skills. And Grabe is even very interesting, you know, where we say if students are literate in their own language, they can transfer those skills. Yeah, pragmatic skills, knowing how text works, the link between, you know, the scribble on the, squiggle on the page and what the sound might be like. Yes, for that. 
but otherwise you can't transfer your, you know, your skills of reading in the first language into the second language until you've got that command of the second language. So the washback effect, to me, is really puzzling, and I, I, I'd like some more research on this. Because we've, we're so prescriptive in our standards and test questions to assess the ability of these skills, and because they are so dominant in the classroom, you walk into a GCSE lesson, and what you see is people teaching to skim, scan, read for meaning. It's, it's almost pervasive. And so for me, there is, in this case, negative washback on teaching and learning. And as Swan and Walter say, this is not productive. So what do we need to do? I would argue that we need to have appropriate attention to the development of language skills, especially with older EAL learners who have got the cognitive skills to look at the language as an intellectual exercise, see how it works, and then go, oh, yeah, that's why it's like that. And I, get, I still teach very part-time, but I get you know, people who've been born and bred in this country or who came here as children, and when you say to them, oh, this, you know, why are you doing it like this? Explain the rule. They go, why has nobody told me? <laughs> We're not using their own skills, their own you know, analytical ability enough, it seems to me. And I would plead, I mean, I could make a list as long as your arm, um, you'd expect that from a nerd like me who's really interested in language learning. But explicit feedback. You don't hear teachers very often say, this is what you said, this is how you could say it. And I think that is something that this, you know, the study after study says, this is really, really important. It's so effective and helpful. We don't help learners to notice the features enough of English, it seems to me. Again, it's just such a good focus in the classroom. It doesn't have to take much time. It works really well. And then there's all the stuff on uh, vocab development that Paul Nation's been really active in. How many times you need to have a term around you for it to really become part of your mental lexicon. Um, there, is, there is so much we could do that I think in the classroom that you know, we might actually experiment with and see, do these techniques work? <coughs> then my, my other idea is we should really have a better alignment of research policy and provision, and that is something that, you know, every time we change governments, I'm hoping that that will happen, and the jury is out on whether this lot does better than the last, as far as I'm concerned. But they did do the Rosa Review under the previous administration. If that can be done... Why can't we do that on other aspects? And if you think this is a minority kind of sport, thinking about EAL, the numbers are growing year by year. This is becoming more and more of an urgent point for action, it seems to me, to equip our young people with the skills they need. And then the last proper initial teacher training, understanding how language works. That doesn't mean you have to know the grammar um, you know, book by, by heart and backwards. Think about how spoken language works. There is so much interesting stuff out there that can make our life richer as teachers, but I hope really has an impact on what you know how our, our learners end up. And here ended the lesson, I think. Thank you very much. It does. This is a podcast from Cambridge Assessment. For more downloads, visit cambridgeassessment.org.uk.